Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. This morning, um, we continue and we finish our four-week series as we did four weeks ago. We jumped into this series called Into the Deep. And uh, it started out where we looked at this guy, Simon, in Luke chapter 5. If you've been missing the last couple of weeks, you're coming on the last segment of the series. I don't know if you've ever watched series on TV, but it's get awkward. Like so much has happened, three minutes, kind of not even 30 second highlights, and then you're in. So you're in. Welcome to church. But, uh, but in Luke chapter 5, there's this guy, Simon, he's fishing. And this carpenter named Jesus starts preaching and crowds gather because the life of God is there, because God is there. And then Jesus points to Simon and says, Simon, I want to get in your boat. But he's been fishing all night, caught nothing, because that's what you did. You fished at night in those days in the shallows. And Jesus says, I want to get in your boat. He gets in his boat. He's preaching from his little boat. He takes this stinky fisherman's boat and turns it into a pulpit for the king of kings, which is incredible. And then says to Simon, even greater challenge, he says, put out to the deep. Because in the deep, there is danger. In the deep, there's all sorts of possibilities. But in the deep, if Jesus is with you, the possibilities of heaven start becoming possibilities on earth. And Simon chooses to obey. He chooses to go against his general knowledge, which was, we are Galilee fishermen. We fish at night in the shallows. Jesus says, I want you to fish in the daytime in the deep. And heaven starts to break out as they catch the greatest catch ever. And I think there's something in that for us as we understand what it is God's called us to. And in our individual lives and as a people, God is calling us to be a people who will respond. A people who will say yes. A people who will trust Him. And then all we're doing over these next three weeks is we're saying we're taking that same context, scripture, and vision. And saying, well, what does it mean for us in the light of our mission? What's our mission? If you're visiting to the church, I'm going to tell you this morning, we're not very bright. Confession. We're not bright, so what we do is we put it on the wall over there. And if you're wondering why they're writing all, because that's what we're on about. We want to reach people who are far from Christ. We want to reach them. We want our lives, our, everything we do to be a part of reaching them for Jesus so that they could know the goodness of God. Then we want to raise up people in Christ to be more like Jesus and challenge each other and challenge us as a community to be more in God. And then we want to release wide for the kingdom. So we're going to do that this morning. You know what we're going to do? You know, huh? Some of you like, look at me. Say, reach far. Okay, that was a good warm up. First time. We're going to do it again the right time. Say, reach far. Raise up. Release wide. And um, I love that we get to do this together. It has been an amazing week. Uh, uh, Part of this week and the highs of this week in this building, we got to host church planters and church leaders from around the city, about 75 or 80 folk, and guys are doing amazing things in our city. And I love the fact that we can celebrate and be a part of it. And, and, and a team at um, View Church Tiberg, Tigerberg Hills are celebrating a year today of planting. And I mean, that guy Dino, there's more energy pumped up in that one body than I don't know. But to celebrate them and say, that's, that's unbelievable. Other guys are celebrating things. There's a church open, a new building in the south of Cape Town. God is on the move. Our friends at 3CR, Rory Dye, and the team there are launching a building project today, a massive project that will impact the city of Pretoria. The church is on the move. But what also excites me is the church is on the move. I'm hearing stories of people starting businesses and rising up saying, actually, I feel like God's speaking to me to pioneer into new areas. 
Someone spoke to me this week about a passion to be a part of justice and get involved in the nitty-gritty, the dirty part of our city to see justice comes. The kingdom of God is advancing, and we get to be a part of it. And today, we get to speak in the context of release wide. What does it mean to be a people who will go into the deep with Jesus and be a people who will understand that when Jesus calls us, He calls us to His story, which is a releasing wide story. I want to tell you that the call of the gospel is still a call of, will you trust me? Will you trust me? Simon in an instant meets a guy who was a, was a fisherman, now calls him, and he sees something in Jesus, and in an instant he has to make a decision. He doesn't have years to say, well, Jesus, I'm going to look at your CV. I want to look at your lineage. I want to look at your background. I'm going to do a background check, and I'll get back to you. No, he just sees Jesus, and he says, I can trust this man. I can trust this. The gospel is still challenging us and say, will you allow me to use your boat? Some of you are like, I don't have a boat. No, not a boat. Your life, your time, your family, your children for the gospel, your, your marriage, your parenting, your home, your car. Your, will you allow me to use your boat? And sometimes it's a car and God says, I want you to lift someone. I want to help a family. Sometimes it's a home. As, as, as one family who've moved overseas from this family have been able to help another family from this community move into their home because what they're earning overseas can enable them to help this family locally. I'm going, thank you, Jesus. People have the kingdom of God in their hearts. It doesn't always get up on the billboards of churches and it doesn't always, but it's the kingdom of God advancing. When generosity starts to happen, Will you still allow Jesus to use your boat? Oh, I did once in the 70s when he asked me to pray for someone. No, discipleship's every day. And every day he's saying, will you trust me? Every day he's saying, will you let me use your boat? Every day. It doesn't stop. It just gets more because our trust grows. Our knowledge of him grows. And then he says, will you keep putting out to the deep? Will you keep going when the water's where there is more risk and there is more danger? Every time I say into the deep and I, say, and I make this noise, doo-doop, doo-doop, doo-doop. some of you still think sharks are attacking you right now. You think it's that real in the deep. It's like, no, there is danger in the deep. But when Jesus is with us, and I've said it a thousand times, I'll say it a thousand more, I'd rather be in a lion's pit with Jesus than be anywhere else. I'd rather be in a fiery pit like Meshach, Shadrach, Abednego with Jesus. The safest place I could ever be is in that pit. I'd rather be facing Goliath because Jesus is with me. If Jesus called me to face Goliath, I want to face Goliath. And you know what? I want to boil it down to this one thing. It's just about being a disciple. When Jesus had the crowds following him on that beach, he wasn't looking for apostles. He was just looking for a disciple. Simon, can I use your boat? And he takes Peter. Simon becomes Peter. Simon Peter, Cephas. On a, that was confusing to many of you. He's called Simon in the scripture. His name is also Cephas, which means Peter. Later in scripture, he's called Peter. Are we all on the same page? Same guy. Some of you are like, this preacher's confused. Help him, Jesus. And, um, but Jesus takes him on a journey, and I, I love the fact that he wasn't teaching Peter new fishing techniques. It's like, oh, Peter, if, if I just do what Jesus told me this time, if I just put out a little deep in the daytime, can't sleep at night. Awesome. Great new technique. This is going to revolutionize fishing. If I put it on the deep, I'm going to catch like this every time. We get in such danger and such trouble when as Christians we start using Jesus' techniques without keeping our eyes on Jesus. We get in grave danger as churches, I believe, when we have these Jesus' techniques and Jesus' ways, but our eyes aren't on Jesus because sometimes Jesus says, cast your net on this side, sometimes he says, let's just go over there. 
And when we take our eyes off Jesus and we make it about Christian techniques and a whole bunch of things, we're in real trouble of stepping into religion, stepping into something that breeds death and not life. And he reminds us that following Jesus is not a technique. Following Jesus is not a principle. Following Jesus leads to life. I'm convinced that using Jesus' techniques and a knowledge of Jesus without keeping our eyes on Jesus actually leads to hurting people. But keeping our eyes on Jesus, following the King, being disciples of Jesus leads us to a place where chains come off people, liberty comes, freedom comes, life flows in everything that His people do. But I love about the Scripture as I jump in to this is the next chapter carries on. The the chapter carries on. And they're just these three scenarios. Number one, Luke chapter 5, verse 12 to 16, while Jesus was in one of the towns, this is straight after the Simon encounter, the discipleship moment. While Jesus was in one of the towns, a man came along who was covered with leprosy. When he saw Jesus, he fell with his face to the ground and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately leprosy left him. I, I want to tell you about the shouldn'ts, the couldn'ts, and the wouldn'ts for a minute. Does that make sense? I don't even know if it's good English, but we're going to do it anyway. This man shouldn't be here. He's a leper. He has leprosy. He should be outside. He should be far away. He should be ringing a bell saying, unclean, unclean, stay away. And yet he's in the town and Jesus engages him. Jesus loves him. And you know who's watching? A disciple named Simon, Simon Peter. So he goes on this into the deep moment with Jesus. And the first encounter is Jesus encountering a shouldn't. Someone who just shouldn't receive the gospel. Someone who just shouldn't know freedom and shouldn't know life because their life is bound with this label of leprosy. The fact that their skin is melting off them and they are the scourge of society. And Jesus shows a disciple what it is to walk with Jesus. And then he carries on, and the very next story plays out in Luke chapter 5. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. This is a couldn't. He, He couldn't get there. He's paralyzed, and in those days, there's no paralyzed parkings. There's no privileges. You just stay at home and do your time on a bed. But because Jesus is in the room, his friends gather, they lower him down. And who's standing in the background? Simon Peter watching. A man who shouldn't and couldn't get to Jesus, gets to him and finds healing and wholeness and life. Why? Because Jesus isn't about the crowds. Jesus was never about the crowds. Jesus is about making disciples. Into the deep is about disciples who will trust him. Into the deep is disciples who allow Jesus to use their boats. It's about being a people who trust Jesus. And then a third scenario plays out straight away. Verse 27 in chapter 5. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. And this really is just the wooden. He Levi had money, he had privilege, he had status because of his stealing. He was a group of tax collectors, he had friends. And yes, the story's about Levi, and yes, the story's about Jesus, the friend of sinners, and Jesus, the one who breaks him. But the story's also about a disciple named Simon, who's watching Jesus heal the shouldn'ts, the wouldn'ts, and the couldn'ts. And he says, Simon, I need you to get something, because I've got a mission in mind for your life. See, down the line, 
Once I've died on a cross, ridden again, and spoken to you about the kingdom of God, and I've left, there's going to be a story that plays out. And I'm going to go use you to be the very first man, the very first disciple to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And I need you to know that this gospel breaks into the smallness and the narrowness of our lives and takes us to the shouldn'ts, the couldn'ts, and the wouldn'ts. And I'm gonna tell you, everything inside of you in that moment in Acts chapter 10, when a vision comes to your heart that says, preach the gospel to the Gentiles, every prejudice and every smallness and every shouldn't, couldn't, and wouldn't that wants to rise up inside of your life will rise up. And I need you in that moment to trust me. I need you in that moment to allow me to use your boat. I need you in that moment to understand that in the deep, there's the greatest catch. And there are Gentiles out there. And because God takes a disciple on a journey of faith, of courage, of releasing wide and understanding that in the smallness of his, in the bigness, as big as he might have been in the fishing world, God had a bigger story for him in the kingdom world. And I want to tell us this morning as we preach that Jesus' model is a gospel that was always meant for wider than we thought. But the problem is we default to the narrow and the shallow. My smallness of heart and sometimes the prejudices and the things I allow to sit in my life want to keep us in the shallows and keep us in the narrows. That wasn't planned, but it worked. Drop the mic. No, I won't. I want to tell us this morning that God has called us to be people who release wide. What does that mean? It's a nice thing on a wall, eh? but what does it actually mean? It ultimately means this. I don't think everybody who gets saved by Jesus Christ is called to be a preacher and to do this job. Please, no. It means that God has put something and a model in place where he's called us to preach and he's called us to touch the ends of the earth. He called us to a model where Jesus didn't preach the kingdom of the church. He didn't. Don't, don't. Get upset. I'm 100% believe that the church is plan A, empowering the kingdom of God. But Jesus preached the kingdom of God, which is broader than and bigger than. And our mission is to release an army of Jesus' lovers, secure in his love, secure in his call, secure in his mandate, secure in their, in their anointing, who live out a life on mission to see the kingdom of God in every sphere and every space of world. Whatever your sphere of influence, I'm telling you, God has placed you there. He's anointed you there. He's called you for this time to impact and see his name made great. And yes, to see people come to salvation. And yes, to see healing come. And yes, to see justice come. Why? Because you're there. And the days of, well, I need to call my preacher man to come and speak to my work colleagues and tell them about Jesus. Those days are over. Those days. Those statements are done. Jesus has called us to raise up an army who know their God, who are able to speak and courage and understanding that that's who you are. It, it's not an added extra to, well, I'm not going to live Christianity. It's called us a biblical strategy to have Christians all over the world who are called to engage our cities with compassion and action, living lives, signposts to Jesus. And I preach this every year and I preach it with passion because I know that if the enemy can keep the church in the box of the church, he's done well. He's done well. If the enemy can keep the church thinking our mandate is to have great church services and pull this thing off, he's done well. But if I as a preacher and a proclaimer of the gospel can get people seeing that there's a bigger story than the four walls of the church, the kingdom of God starts advancing. Whatever sphere or space God's called us in, and there's a mandate on the church to keep seeking, sending people out, and there's a couple of things you've got to know. You've got to know Jesus has saved you for a reason. And you've got to know that there's no reality that all things church are sacred. 
and all things out of church are not. That is a lie. All things Jesus are sacred. And everywhere your feet shall tread and his name is made great, Jesus breaks in and brings life. I want to read a, script, a quote to you I've used twice before in church, but I love it. So you're going to get it one more time. Are you ready? This is a good one. This is a, this is a good one. I didn't write it, so I can say that. And it's not Gabe's either because I probably wouldn't say that then. But um, it's called Liberating the Church. His name's Howard Snyder. The church gets in trouble whenever it thinks it is in the church business rather than the kingdom business. In the church business, people are concerned with church activities, religious behavior, and spiritual things. In the kingdom business, people are concerned with kingdom activities, all human behavior, and everything God has made, visible and invisible. Kingdom people seeing human affairs as saturated with spiritual meaning and kingdom significance. Kingdom people seek first the kingdom of God and its justice. Church people often put church work above concerns of justice, mercy, and truth. Church people think about how to get people into the church. Kingdom people think about how to get the church into the world. Church people worry that the world might change the church. Kingdom people work to see the church change the world. If the church has one great need, it is this, to be set free for the kingdom of God, to be liberated from itself as to become in order to, as it has become in order to be itself as God intends. The church must be freed to fully participate, participate fully in the economy of God. Just breathe that in for a second. We are not some existing people on the outskirts and outside of society. That was never the design. And, and I love the sentiment, and I, and, and I think it's amazing sometimes. That people, I just want to go be on, a, on like a kibbutz environment with Christians on a camp in the middle of nowhere. I'm going, that would be awesome, but it would be a tragedy. It would be a tragedy. Because there's 7 billion people in our world, and how will they hear, and how will they know, and who will be the harvest workers, if not us? Some of you are like, Mark's angry today. I'm not angry. I'm passionate. I've got three little wildlings in my home that I get to call children of mine. I have a mandate to raise them up in the ways of God, and I want them to love church. I want them to build church. I want them to serve in the church. I want their giftings to be used and, and see the kingdom of God and the church advance. But I'm telling you, I've got to raise them up to be kingdom advances that whatever they do in life, they know Jesus. They are secure in his call. They know that his grace is upon him, and they have power to impact for the kingdom of God. They've got to know that. Because otherwise they'll think, if I'm not a preacher, I'm somehow less, not impacting. And that's a lie. And it's a prominent lie, and it's reinforced by the man of Grant syndrome, and it's reinforced where we put men in pulpits and on platforms that they shouldn't be, because I'm telling you, there's just Jesus and the church. The minute there's anyone in between, we're in trouble. And you know who's in the most trouble? The guy in between. He's in the most trouble. And I don't want to be that guy. And the message of Jesus is repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. This kingdom that is large, the kingdom is here. It's not just in the church. It's for everything outside of the church as well. Oh, Mark, but I work in this environment. Yes, kingdom of God must come then. Oh, Mark, but you don't know. They swear a lot at my work. Yes, that's why you're there. Because the kingdom of God is there. And it's glorious, and people need it, and he calls us. And the, the primary place the kingdom comes is in our hearts, and we've got to understand that it's everywhere. It's not 
the kingdom of God is everywhere there's a preacher. Everywhere, no, it's everywhere that Jesus' kingdom and de- domain is. Everywhere. Everywhere. And George Eldon Ladd puts it this way, the kingdom of God is his kingship, his rule, his authority. It is not a realm or a people, but God's reign. I've been trying to open this for about six minutes with one hand. I'm not winning. I'll be back with you. Ding, ding, ding. Oh, that was needed. Got quite excited there for a moment. Everyone stay calm. Uh, Don't get me wrong. Don't start protecting the church. Jesus is passionate about his church. I'm passionate about his church. And the church is the chosen vehicle for kingdom advancement. Don't get me wrong. The church is glorious. And Jesus says, so that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known through the church to the rulers and authority in the heavenly places. But the church isn't just the church when we gather. The church is everywhere we go. Every time we connect. I want to tell you some stories of ordinary radicals who love Jesus and made big differences. Who loves Cadbury's hot chocolate or Cadbury's chocolate? Anyone? Yeah, everyone. Thank you. Honest answer. Um, honest answer. There, there's a guy named John Cadbury in 1824, and he was part of a group called the Quakers, and, and, and stats would tell us about 90% of them were evangelicals, and they loved Jesus, and they would gather, and they would gather in these moments, but the only place to gather in those days were in pubs, and all you could drink in pubs was ale. So John Cadbury thought, I know how to make chocolate. What about making a chocolate drink that men can sit around in pubs and in other forums together and drink hot chocolate? Why? Because alcoholism was killing families, and he wanted to see families restored, not make a buck on chocolate. And because he had the kingdom of God in his heart, he, God spoke to him and released him, and it became this empire that now 200 years later, it's still going. Why? Because it's a God factor, kingdom of God reality. And when we start fighting for the things of God and freedom, God blesses it in ways we have no understanding of. What about Lloyds of London? Have you heard of those guys? One of the biggest insurance firms in the world, Lloyds of London, was again this group of Quakers. These, they were, it's a weird name. They were called Friends, Association of Friends. They would gather. They would pray. They would preach. They would do church. They would do life together. But they didn't want to, to not have impact in the world. So they got together one day and they said, you know what? We're all doing things together, but you've got ships and you've got ships. And if it all comes rolling down, we're in trouble. Why don't we pull our money and insure each other? And that's where insurance starts coming from. And Lloyds of London starts breaking out. And, and then you've got Barclays Bank, again, believers. But what I love about the Barclays Bank is they would have, they launched something called the Quaker Price. It was a fair price for goods that they would establish because people were getting ripped off left, right, and center. And they started to control. And they said, actually, we want a fair price for goods. We want fair price. Who would like to see fair prices come to our country? I, I would. I would. There are people drowning under unfair pricing. And I'm telling you, it's time for believers to understand that we can impact. We can dream big dreams, like seeing a nation change and seeing fair pricing come. Uh, Iron and steel industry, a whole bunch of other things. What about New Testament? Well, have you heard of this amazing family called Priscilla and Aquila? Have you heard of them? They were these tent makers. They were these business people who Paul writes this in Romans um, chapter 16. He says, greet Priscilla and Aquila. My co-workers in Christ Jesus, they risked their lives for me. Not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. These are just tent makers. They're just business people. But everywhere he went, they had massive impact. It said they helped plant churches in Corinth, Ephesus, and Rome. But they were spending their days, Monday to Friday, or however they did their days, 
making tents. Seeing, king, seeing wealth generated so that the mission of God, the advancement, the planting of churches could be thin. They fought for them. They, they brought life and order and they brought credibility to the story. And the apostle writes, get them, thank them. We're grateful to them. And I can't have people coming to church on Sunday, getting excited, get to work on Monday. Oh, I wish I was doing something for Jesus. Exile, I wish I was doing something for Jesus. You are doing something for Jesus. You're advancing. He's got you there. His anointing is on your life, and we need to just know that. It changes everything. And I've told the story before, but, but I was in a, an environment of, of, of about 12. Every year, the big international company that I work for would choose 12 people and take them on a leadership course and just take them away and invest in them and spoil them and tell them they were the world's next thing. Somehow I was on that crew. I don't know. But we're in this environment, and they bring a guy named Nibs van der Spey. I've told this story before. I want to tell it once more. And he's a musician. And so he's, he, he starts playing his guitar, and everyone's listening, and they're going, wow, this is amazing. And then he points, and, and he says to everyone, what I want, I'm gonna write, I'm gonna, I want you to write a poem while I play. It's just for you. Just for you. Write a poem. So he starts playing, and we all get quite deep and, you know, in touch with ourselves and however that works. And, um, but I love Jesus. So he starts playing music. I start writing a song about Jesus while he's playing music, obviously, because I love Jesus. And then I'm sitting in this room of high up-and-comers, some who are now on the board of, of DSTV, the board of, I'm not going to mention that one because they keep cutting your lights, the board of, and, and I'm in this group of people. And then he turns to me and says, you're Mark van Pletzen. I said, well, yeah, that's what my name tag says. He said, yeah, you've got three sisters. I said, yes. He says, they're all singers. I said, yeah. He says, how about we try this? Uh, no, how about not? He says, how about I play my guitar and you sing what you've written down? Now, I am a corporate guy trying to make it in a corporate world. This is not on the game plan. This wasn't the plan. And he starts to play. And I feel the courage of God come inside of me. So I start to sing what I've written down. And the presence of God comes in that room. And ladies start crying, and God starts to minister to his lost children. Why? Just because I was there trying to sell ice creams on a 9 to 5 Monday to Friday day job. But I was a son of God. And in those moments that we get opportunity, how do we respond? You see, if we think we're only there to sell something, to make a bottom line, we lose the opportunities when heaven wants to invade. Because heaven wants to invade your marketplace. Right now, your bosses are stressed. They're stretched. They're anxious. They're taking anxiety pulls just to make it through the day. But you are there. Bring peace. Bring courage. Bring life. Whether they're paying you enough or not, be God's child in that space. Whether they are honoring you or not. Nehemiah wasn't honored. He worked for a foreign king for 12 years. And every day he smiled. And the king knew something was wrong. Why? Just because Nehemiah wasn't smiling. For the first time in 12 years, the king says, stop. Everyone stop. Stop the kingdom. Nehemiah's not smiling. Would your boss do the same? She's not smiling. Something's wrong. God's calling us to big things. And what am I saying? He's, he's calling us to these challenges. I, I love the stories. And there's stories in now. I'm just telling stories. Ben DeVette, who's not here today. But five years ago, I met this man from Zim who had... Everything taken away from him as he leads him. And the only thing he had was a smelter in Zambia. Because only a Zimbo would have a smelter in Zambia. 
Like no one else would have the courage to have a smelter in Zambia. I'm like, Vin, how do you have a smelter in Zambia? He says, yeah, it'll work one day. It never worked. But someone owed him money, and they gave him a container of artificial grass. And I remember meeting him. He says, what am I going to do with artificial grass? I said, I got no idea, my brother. But he's a God's son. So he starts renting out artificial grass and realizing there's a market for artificial grass. And then he becomes the key supplier to Cape Town. And then God hits a city with a drought for three years where everyone needs artificial grass to rent it, to buy it, to put it in their lounges everywhere. And God had a son named Ben DeVette who had moved from a foreign land. He's an exile in a foreign land. And God begins to bless him and says, I want to do something with your life. Why? Just because you're my son. I love these stories. This is where the kingdom of God gets advanced. And, and we all go back and say, church was so great. I, go, I want to see that. I want to see that. I want to see Wayne and Jen impacting Danun more and more. After eight years of sowing, saying, God, explode it for the kingdom of God. Shay starting her new hip-hop classes and leaving Star with Faith to go and say, I want to impact a, a culture of dance that has so many other connotations. But I want to go into that space. And I want to be a daughter of God in that space. Does this excite you? Because, yeah, this excites me. This excites me. And Peter, Jesus says, will you be a disciple or go to the shouldn'ts, the couldn'ts, and the wouldn'ts? Will you just be an ordinary radical who goes into these spaces? But, Mark, how does this impact on our mission? It's everything part of our mission. Reach far. God's saying, I want your life and our life and our story to be a story that will reach those far from God. And some of them are across the road, and some of them in other parts of the world. We're going to reach. Then we're going to raise up and we're going to invest in our kids and we're going to have them worship. We're going to invest in people and new believers are going to come. And we're going to put on Bible college. I cannot believe how many people have come out for Bible college. Who here has been at the Bible college? There's over 100, 110 people every Monday night as an extra in the week, Bible college. And I'm going, thank you, Jesus, for a people who are prepared to take time out to grow, to grow. Well done. I want to say well done. And, 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 and the many other things. And I want to just tell you that in the interdeep call, Jesus isn't looking for superstars. He's looking for fishermen accountants. He's looking for people with a song inside of their heart that no one knows. He's looking for disciples. He's looking for you to say, I will be one who will reach far and I will extend the boundaries of my life. See, reach far is Jesus. Jesus in the perfection of heaven leaves the perfection of heaven. What to do what? To come into the brokenness of our world. Raise, raise up as Jesus. Jesus leaves the perfect community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He hangs around with 12 dudes. One of them who betrayed him. The other one who, who's this fisherman and there's a tax collector. And there's these guys. And he invests them. He raises them up to be an army that would touch the ends of the world. Because he teaches them that they're going to be a people who raise up. And then he says, what I want from you? He says, I, Jesus, I released wide. And on that cross, he stretched out his arms. And then came back and he taught us about the kingdom of God for 40 days. And gave us a commission. He said, go into all the world. Oh, Mark, you don't know where I work and what the environment's like. No, but I know Jesus. Mark, you don't, you don't know. My very first Christmas party, I had my eyes open to cocaine in executive boardrooms. And all sorts of things. Saying, they need Jesus. They need Jesus. And you are there. Four young people in our community just all passed the accounting board. I'm going, thank you, Jesus, for accountants who are spirit-filled, 
who have the word of God inside of them, who can enter into economies and bring restoration, justice, life. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing. One last story and then we're done. And I can feel the rumors. Some of you are like, I, don't, I haven't heard this a lot in church. That's good. That's okay. Jesus is calling you. Ezekiel 47, there's this river flowing. I'm not going to read through the whole thing. And if you go read it in Ezekiel, you'll see as this river flows out of the temple, the river is ankle deep, knee deep, and eventually up to his shoulders. And he's walking further and further from the river and getting from the temple and getting deep in the river. And I'm telling you, there's something in that that we think the greatest deep we can get into is in church on a Sunday in worship. And I'm telling you, sometimes the further we walk from the temple, God's going to take us deeper in his love, deeper in the knowledge of his grace, deeper in faith, deeper in the ships and the boats that he's called us to use, deeper because as we walk with the knowledge of who he is, plugged into the source of life, Jesus, and we walk away we're not leaving the temple. We're entering into the mission of God and we're taking what it is to know Jesus into a world. Mac technicians and teachers and men with skills and grandparents and new parents and IT guys getting new jobs and accountants and unemployed right now and retired. And some people that have had one or two bumpy roads, God's saying, your story's not done. Because this is the account of Jesus Christ. And when they look at your life, there'll be one name that touches every part of it. This is the account of Jesus Christ. And it changes everything. And it pulls us into a big story called the gospel of the kingdom of God. Will you be someone who reaches far? Will you be someone who raises up? Will you be someone who in your life there will be a releasing wide for the kingdom of God? I sat down the other day as a friend of mine has to say goodbye to his child overseas. And for the first time in my life, I thought, God, you're going to take these boys away from me one day, aren't you? And I'm deep like that sometimes. <laughs> and I had a little moment. And I said, God, I don't know if I want them to go away. I love them. Last night, my oldest fell off his top bunk. We have a triple bunk. <laughs> and he came through, and I got to love him and hold him. Don't worry, it doesn't happen all the time. Some of you are like, what a bad dad. Let's get back to the deep moments. I don't know why I told you that. But I had to process that one day, these little gifts, these little men who are growing up in my home, who I get to hold and snuggle and call my own, one day there's a, there's a story for them where they'll go further. And they might live in countries that don't speak languages that I know, and they might do things that today don't exist, but in 20 times will run our world. I mean, God, teach me to raise up men who will change the world, not men who will change the church. We don't need more men and women who will change the, the church. We need more men and women who will change the world. And when we get that, we'll start living a big story. Can you stand with me? I realize I preached longer this morning, but God is moving us. He is stirring us. The grace that we receive from those cups and those emblems and his body 
changes our everything. To those of you who are thinking retirement age is coming and I can't wait, I would say go to Jesus and say, Jesus, what do you ask of my boat at this time? To those of you making decisions for life and future, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, I need you in my boat. Can we close our eyes just for a second? I pray, Jesus, right now, Spirit of God, you are here. This is not the rev of a preacher man. I honestly believe it's on your heart for the future and the prophetic future of your church and this world that you are releasing and wanting to release an army to change this world for Jesus. I pray strip apathy away even now. Reveal it for what it is, where we've self-justified. I pray, God, strip it out of us. When smallness has crept in, and limited thinking has crept in, I pray, Jesus, strip it out of us. Because there's a big story called the kingdom of God. That when you came back for 40 days, the Bible says all you spoke about was the kingdom of God. You didn't tell us how to do church. You didn't tell us which Bible translation to read. You told us the kingdom of God is advancing. And I pray. Let that truth grip our hearts and release from this place your glory, your goodness, and your power to change this world. We worship you, King Jesus. We love you, God.